your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, or catch up on any previous episodes you might have missed, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is always free and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. On this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, we have a late show that'll probably be posted sometime tomorrow in the early uh, wee hours of the morning. I'm, I'm guessing past midnight because this is a very late game and the Jets are playing the Calgary Flames. You know, as much as the Flames have recently struggled over the past several weeks in light of their firing of Jeff Ward and the changeover to Daryl Sutter, this is not a team that I particularly feel comfortable with playing on the road. In some ways, because the Flames maybe don't have the world's most talented roster and instead have to rely on scrappier, fast counters and a lot of high-volume scoring chances, this felt like a game that could give the Jets fits, in part because Calgary is not exactly the world's speediest team, but they do have some really talented skaters that can get up and down the ice and really cut apart Winnipeg's defensive structure, especially down low. They can then follow it up with bruising physical presences like Milan Lucic, and Lucic himself is actually fairly good at for some reason burning Winnipeg's defenders. I don't know how that happens, but it is a thing with this team. So I suppose my main objective tonight was for Winnipeg to win and not embarrass itself in too bad of a fashion. The good news is that Winnipeg was coming off of the high of sweeping the Vancouver Canucks in two straight games and very nearly shutting them out both times. So if ever there was a time to keep the momentum going, this would have been the game. Now, when Winnipeg kind of started this one out against uh, Calgary, it was a bit of a strange opening few minutes. It felt like both teams were basically doing a lot of skating, and then Calgary had a couple of good looks down low, but they didn't actually put any shots on net. It sort of seemed like Calgary was trying to get the Winnipeg Jets defenders to be baited into traps and get them scrambling around inside the crease, because it seemed like every time Winnipeg was out there, one of Josh Morrissey, Logan Stanley, or another Jets defender was literally on top of Hellebuck and tripping him inside the net, which isn't really great. Uh, Calgary didn't actually get many good scoring chances out of these opportunities, even though they had plenty of space to work with. I think a lot of the crowding and stuff, especially in front of Hellebuck, maybe gave the Jets a little bit of a break. In general, it didn't really feel like Calgary got all that many dangerous looks. It was just a very sluggish period. Um, you can tell that both of these teams... They definitely have some issues at even strength, especially in trying to create consistent offense. Uh, Winnipeg didn't really do a whole lot either. They did draw, I believe, three penalties on the period. And on the very first one, they ended up banking a puck off of Blake Wheeler's skate to score 1-0, which is kind of funny. I expect, you know, this, this Jets team to basically troll its way through the postseason because that's kind of how Winnipeg gets through a lot of these games. You know, they have a, a lot of really high-end elite scoring skill, but oftentimes the way that they score is just really funny. I feel like the Jets are one of those teams that you, you can't help liking for some bizarre, unexplainable reason, even for people who aren't fans. The Jets just sort of bumble their way through stuff and seem to come out on top. 
As far as the rest of the period is concerned, Winnipeg didn't really do a whole lot. Um, they did create a couple of good rush counters and stuff, but beyond that, it was definitely one of those periods where neither team was really getting a whole lot of space, and when they finally got into good scoring areas, they either fumbled the puck away, had the shot blocked, it was just very messy and disorganized. Uh, in one of the Jets' power plays, they ended up having to... Uh, take one themselves because Josh Morrissey and Mark Shifley got caught by Derek Ryan, and like, Morrissey didn't even bother to try and pressure Ryan. Like, I know Shifley has Ryan's back, right, but you've got to at least get your stick in there to knock the puck off of Ryan's stick. If you see Shifley is struggling and likely to take a penalty, maybe you can at least put a little bit of pressure on and try and prevent the penalty draw. Instead, the Jets killed their own power play and went on the penalty kill uh, about, you know, 20 or 30 seconds later, and, and so it's one of those situations where it's just like, Morrissey on the power play, not really something I I enjoy seeing. I tend to see him make a lot of mistakes, a lot of dumb passes, and his timing just never really seems there. I know that he definitely does score points at even strength and on the power play, but I don't really know if, if he's directly responsible for a lot of these opportunities. It just seems like he's more fortunate that his teammates are very good. This is one of those scenarios where I see Vili Heinola not playing in the NHL, and it makes me wonder why the Jets haven't given him a look. If you need somebody who can quarterback your power play and really beef up the distribution on the back end, as well as adding a fairly nuanced scoring element, I don't see why you at least, you know, fail to give Heinola a look somewhere. You know, I I know that he's probably not going to get on the first power play unit, let alone the second, but all of Heinola's skill sets seem to trend to him being a really good power play QB, and somebody who the Jets desperately need at even strength and in special teams. Instead, the Jets just seem really content to run a pairing of Morrissey and Pullman, which is just a disaster waiting to happen on almost every other shift, and the rest of the guys, you know, they were okay. Um... Dylan DeMello had a couple of nice moments, especially denying zone entries and uh, just being the safety valve that he typically is. But then like the rest of the Jets defenders, he'd have a really sloppy pass that gets turned over to Calgary's counter. And it's just one of those situations where it's like the Jets D just don't really execute in the way that they need to. And in DeMello's defense, he's not really that kind of distributor. I think he's more of a an outlet user, somebody who looks for short passes to escape danger more so than he's somebody who is really captaining breakouts and leading these moments. That he's often been charged with this kind of role really speaks to the fact that Winnipeg just doesn't have many puck-carrying defenders it can really trust. You know, if you've got Pionk out there and Forboard out there... Aside from those guys, there's not many guys I would I would actually feel comfortable with in those sorts of roles, and even Forbort's not that great. Logan Stanley can do it when he's permitted to, but of course we've seen him occasionally turn over the puck into really dangerous situations, and we all know that when it comes to back-checking, he's not exactly the most fleet of foot. It all just leads to a very complicated situation where I feel like the Jets need to give some internal rentals a look before they start trying to acquire somebody like Matias Ekholm. Like, I love Ekholm, right? But he's also 30, and I, I don't know if he's going to fit this Jets team all that well. I could imagine him being very valuable in a lot of ways, but he only will have about a season and a half, and I'm not really sure if the Jets are actually going to make the most of his value, especially with Maurice the way he likes to do things. I'm very, you know, up in the air. Like, I, I want Ekholm on a very good deal, and I think the Jets could actually work out a nice value trade that gives Ekholm to the Jets for not a price that really hurts him long term. But I would also love it if this team would actually use some of the talents that it already has as well and give them some ice time. Let's see what Heinle can do for this team because it's obvious this team's back end is really needing that puck moving skill. Thankfully, you know, Winnipeg's defenders didn't do enough to uh, end up conceding a goal in that first period, but I was kind of concerned heading into the second and third periods. Could the Jets actually defend this lead and even add to it? Before I spoil the rest of the events of the game and tell you what exactly transpired after the first, I did want to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. 
When it comes to the wild, wacky world of online betting, it's hard to know who you can trust. You need a reliable, safe, trustworthy, and convenient name. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. If you're not into sports, no problem. BetOnline has your back with awards, TV shows, and reality TV betting. Featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to cast a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion, or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next. BetOnline also features the latest news, scores, and odds, so you'll always make the most informed bets every single time. Getting started couldn't be easier. Just log on to BetOnline.ag where you can set up a free account or log on on your mobile device, and when you register, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping Winnipeg versus Calgary, but before we talk about the second period and beyond, here's why Locked on Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked on Today podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. And now on to the second period where the Jets kind of were actually pretty good. You know, this was a period in which the Calgary Flames kind of died. Honestly, when you watch the Flames, it just seems like they're very disorganized and not really with the program. And obviously, when you have a really good team functioning at a high level, you have lots of good communication, guys on the same page, good positioning. Watching the Flames, it's just very clear that they don't really seem to be very tight as a unit. There was a lot of disorganized play, guys were misplaying passes, you know, there were just sloppy turnovers, and Winnipeg is very good at countering on these opportunities. The most egregious moment came pretty early in the period when Calgary went on some kind of a line change, and it actually left a completely wide-open Kyle Connor in the neutral zone for a nice breakaway goal. At first, I thought this one was actually an own goal because Kyle Connor actually uh, tapped it off of the goalie's pads on his first shot attempt and then somehow corralled the rebound and scored. It did look like the Flames defender behind him was actually the one to tap at home, but Kyle actually had really great hand-eye coordination to make sure that he actually put this one home. As for the rest of the period after that, the uh, the Flames did try to create offensive opportunities and stuff, but it was all very desperate. You know, you, you saw them trying to shoot stuff from sharp angles, shovel the puck towards the net. Winnipeg just didn't really give much of anything, to be honest. I felt like the Jets actually did a really good job of clogging the spaces and taking away Calgary's opportunities to use as outlets, which is interesting because, like, traditionally, the Jets actually give their opponents a lot of space. The Flames, in general, felt like they were playing much higher in the offensive zone than they needed to, especially against a team like the Jets that are very disorganized once they're under pressure inside their own defensive zone. The Flames just didn't really get down low very often, and, and when they did, it was often because either a Jets player turned the puck over or, you know, maybe Connor Hellebuck did as well. In fact, most of the most dangerous opportunities usually came off of a sequence where Hellebuck went out to play the puck and ended up turning it over. It's like the one thing that he consistently does wrong every single time, and it's it's actually kind of funny on the one hand, but also super annoying because Hellebuck actually creates a lot more danger for himself every time he tries to touch the puck. I don't know why he has this obsession with doing it. I think he thinks he's a lot better at playing the puck than he really is. They say practice makes perfect, but I'd rather he not practice in the middle of a game against a team that can actually hurt you pretty quickly, especially if you're not really paying attention and you turn over the puck right in front of somebody like Mangiapani. When Winnipeg actually did have a counter the other way, they got some really good looks inside Calgary's slot. I was a bit surprised that the Jets didn't add maybe one or two extra goals here, but aside from that, it was just a very dull period. This is the sort of hockey that I think, when you have a lead, it's not the worst to play if you're trying to conserve energy and get prepped for tomorrow. Calgary technically had more shot attempts, but they weren't really dangerous at all, and it was just a lot of desperation stuff. Winnipeg basically silenced a lot of the opportunities heading towards net, 
and the Flames really had no response. You can tell that Calgary is just sort of worn down, so all in all, it's been a quiet 40 minutes or so. The first period was probably the most open-ended, but then the second period, pretty locked down for the Jets. It is interesting to see Winnipeg play like this, because it's not often where they just completely muzzle an opponent. They've had a few handfuls of periods like this against maybe Vancouver or Ottawa or something, but for the most part, usually the Jets concede a lot more opportunities. This was just very defensively tight and organized, and certainly the kind of performance that we don't often see from Winnipeg. I, I do wish it had a couple of more scoring opportunities here and there. They certainly led in the expected goals category, but I felt like in terms of actually finishing their opportunities, I would have liked one or two better looks here for the Jets. That said, if the only real danger you concede in your own end is Connor Hellebuck fumbling the puck around and, and almost creating an own goal situation, I think you can live with that. For players that I wasn't super impressed with, I guess maybe I could say Morrissey-Pullman. Again, not that great of a pairing, but I don't really know if anyone was all that pressured. You know, Hellebuck was the only one really creating danger for the Jets. And uh, there wasn't really much to dislike other than Winnipeg just not really scoring. So all in all, a, a pretty boring period. I take that on the road, you know, a 2-0 lead heading into the third period and hopefully uh, a nice win. Certainly not a bad way to start your weekend. And, and Winnipeg will have to be sharp tomorrow because Calgary is probably going to be pissed about losing in this particular manner and not really doing anything, especially with the fresh blood behind the, the bench. But I, I will say that Daryl Sutter has certainly been out of the game for a while and I'm not really convinced by the way that he's got them playing right now. I thought Calgary might be a problem under Sutter's philosophy, but to be honest, I'm just not really seeing a whole lot here that says the Flames are much better than they were under Ward. They just kind of look like crap, and I don't know if, if Sutter's going to be here long enough to actually fix that. We'll certainly know in a little bit if he can actually get the Flames playing like a real NHL squad into the third period, but before we cover that portion of the game, here's why you should be tuned in to Built Bar Madness. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, by now you know that I've preached the greatness of Built Bar. If you've never had one, it's the best tasting protein bar on the market, and it's amazingly low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, but best of all, it's fantastic tasting. And every Built Bar is more like a candy bar with a 100% chocolate exterior. For as many great flavors of Built Bars as there are though, and trust me, there are countless flavors that you can choose from, when it really comes down to it, there can only be one truly greatest flavor, and now it's time to have your voice heard in Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is Cookie Dough Chunk versus Birthday Cake. I have to lean towards birthday cake on this one. As much as I love the flavor of cookie dough, I, I tend to lean towards the birthday cake with the white chocolate outside and some really fun sprinkles. It also doesn't hurt that the interior filling just tastes fantastic. I love it. If you feel the same way or want to vote for cookie dough chunk, be sure to go to builtbar.com slash pages slash brackets and cast your vote right now. While you're there, grab a few built bars for the road and use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout to receive 15% off your next order. Don't forget to check back every weekday at builtbar.com slash pages slash brackets to cast your vote for the next round and check out the previous round's winners. Welcome back to this closing round of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping Winnipeg versus Calgary, and after a relatively sleepy opening 40 minutes with a 2-0 lead, the Jets had a little bit of work to do to see this one out. Leave it to the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets to find a very interesting way to close out the last period of regulation. Um, so, Calgary really didn't do much for most of the period, right? And uh, the Jets, I mean, they didn't really have to work all that hard. Um... But Winnipeg kind of got a little bit undisciplined, especially towards the end of the game. Honestly, the Jets just started doing stupid stuff. But thankfully, you know, Milan Lucic actually did a bigger stupid and, and boarded Appleton across the numbers. Honestly, it should have been a five-minute major and he should have gotten ejected, but 
because there was another roughing call, for some reason they decided a double minor would suffice, even though it really should not have been. But either way, uh, the Jets ended up capitalizing because Jacob Markstrom ended up flinging out the puck on, on the second of those two penalties. And of course, the Jets get a five on three. Paul Stastny scores to make it 3-1. And you would hope that that's enough. But then, you know, Calgary pulls the goalie and Matthew Tuchuk, blessed soul that he is, ends up scoring a goal to cut the deficit down to one goal against. And uh, now the Jets are in serious trouble because we know that when the goalie is pulled, Winnipeg tends to have a lot of trouble defending on five on sixes. To make matters worse, Paul Stastny then on the subsequent faceoff took a penalty himself, and from there it was like a minute and a half of Winnipeg just scrambling around, desperately trying to clear the puck out. Thankfully, the Jets survived their own stupidity at times, so uh, this was one of those games where I felt like the Jets were probably a little bit fortunate towards the end. If Calgary had scratched out a point, Winnipeg would basically have itself to blame, because let's be honest, the Flames basically did nothing for around 45 to 55 minutes of the game. All in all, I think Calgary just didn't really have any ideas of how to actually create offense against Winnipeg, which is crazy because the Jets give you tons of space to work with, and yet Calgary basically found none of it. The Jets, for their part, basically just had to avoid tripping over themselves, and for the most part, they did until the end of the game. That's when things got a little bit dicey. At even strength, the Jets basically just controlled the game and didn't really have to do much because Calgary didn't really pressure them. I felt like the Flames only pressured Winnipeg on like the power play and a couple of other very brief instances. Otherwise, the Jets just sort of ran the game and didn't have to do a whole whole lot. Just wait for the Flames to screw up, score, and you're good to go. Considering the Jets are not exactly a play-driving, you know, juggernaut of sorts, I feel like Calgary must be in a very dire state if they basically got smacked by the Jets. As far as top performers on the night are concerned, I guess Kyle Connor probably earns a, a distinct mark for his goal-scoring efforts, and he actually almost had a second goal on another breakaway that he created himself, but just ended up mishandling the final finish, so he leaves the night with one goal, which is not too bad for his efforts. Um, as far as other players are concerned, I mean, the team itself was just fine. They didn't really have to, to do anything. They just had to avoid screwing up and they got the win. How many games have you been able to say that about Winnipeg this year? I mean, they often get pressured by really bad squads and they look like they struggle to contain play against teams like Vancouver, against Ottawa, occasionally against Montreal. And yet here they were just firmly in control for almost the entire game. So a nice, pleasant win. Um, it was ugly, I would say. It wasn't pleasant in the usual sense of being visually attractive. But in terms of just seeing it out, the Jets probably put the opening stages of the nail in the coffin for Calgary's playoff hopes. Let's be honest, the Flames are not really in a competitive state anyways, but this is basically just kind of pushing it down the well a little bit more. Calgary was already gasping for air, and now they're basically suffocating. So I think at this point, the Flames, they're pretty much cooked. They would have to win at least two games over the next uh, couple of games against the Jets to actually have any sort of hope, and I think that that's probably not going to happen. We'll see how the Jets handle them tomorrow. You know, the back-to-back -back sequence is not always great for Winnipeg, but with Laurent Brassois and Ned and Calgary's inability to do much of anything tonight, I expect that the Jets probably win that one tomorrow as well. Maybe the Jets give us a crapo surprise. Hopefully not. I'm hoping that we basically get nothing but gold stars to report. We know that the Jets have occasionally not done that. Uh, but I'll, I'll have an episode on Monday or so recapping what happens in tomorrow's game if I'm able to watch it. I may not be able to. And then, of course, the Jets finish this series on Monday against Calgary again for game number three. And hopefully, you know, Winnipeg just takes care of business. They're at the stage of the season where they basically just need to affirm their playoff position, get the lead, continue to push other teams that are chasing them down further in the standings and see it out. Uh, you know, the trade deadline is looming and Winnipeg probably wants to make a move or two. But beyond that, I think Winnipeg is basically set to go for the postseason. You know, this team is what it is. If they survive through, it's probably because of Connor Hellebuck and some of the guys like Nikolai Ehlers. 
will of course be rooting for them the whole way, but I expect that at some point, Winnipeg's shortcomings will catch up to them. Thankfully, it's not going to be for a while because they'll get to play against the North Division, at least for some of it. For tonight, though, that will wrap up our recap of this Calgary versus Winnipeg matchup. Though this show is over, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey afterwards. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long, dynasty, and DFS league. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!